Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I'm your host for this episode, Chris Chambers, and I am here with... The Ben Ellis. And? Andrew Chambers. Actually, Actually Andrew, Andrew, yes. I will do it next time. <laughs> Actually, Andrew. Actually, Andrew. I like it. Um, so the Ben Ellis and actually Andrew, uh, thank you all for joining uh, me for this particular episode. We are going to continue our uh, discussion through the Sermon on the Mount uh, this morning. Uh, and so Matthew chapter five, uh, of course, uh, um, the, the, uh, the Beatitudes we got through last uh, week uh, were blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And then we ended on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be uh, satisfied. So that's where we're going to pick up this morning. And uh, again, just as a reminder of where we're going, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I don't know that we'll get beyond that, so we'll stop there for now. Um, So with that being said, we are, and and as as a reminder, uh, if you like, share, comment, uh, any of those things on Facebook or, um, uh, you know, the website, any of those things uh, will definitely, or give reviews, right, iTunes, those kind of places, um, uh, you'll be in the running for uh, one of these books. We are giving away uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, his his book on uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're giving away uh, D.A. Carson, uh, his on the Sermon on the Mount, actually his is through uh, Matthew 5 through 10, and then also John Stott, uh, Sermon on the Mount. So mm-hmm. if you want, if you'd like one of those books, just again, like, share, comment, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll get you a book uh, for sure. You can study through it. So I was uh, reading through Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones uh, here in the last couple of weeks, and uh, here is where. And, and last week we, I, we we titled, in fact, the last week's episode, uh, the vertical. Uh, Beatitudes, right? Uh, uh, we have the poor in spirit, uh, that recognition of, of who we are, uh, especially as as related to God, and then how how that leads to the mourning, right? Uh, mourning over our sin, uh, uh, and then again leads us to having a, a true understanding uh, or true estimation of ourselves. That idea of being meek. Uh, and then uh, we ended with uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what Lloyd-Jones says about this is he, he actually puts hunger and thirst for righteousness right in the center of the Beatitudes. He says this is the heart of the Beatitudes. This is the center uh, of the Beatitudes. Uh, another way I think I've seen it uh, discussed is almost like the turn, right? Here, here's a bit of a turn that we have in the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. So you have these first, these vertical, and then you have uh, this here, which, uh, again, the, ver- the, the, the first three lean into, lead us to the hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Again, we have the promise that we will be satisfied, but what ends up happening is uh, the hungering and the thirsting for righteousness leads us uh, uh, to um, uh, the the, the other three, being merciful, right, Uh, 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 being pure in heart, and then uh, uh, being peacemakers. and so the other thing that he, he said, which I thought was pretty neat, is, is he then uh, takes it, if you think of that framework, uh, he then also says that those three, the first three, correlate pretty well with these, these three, right? Uh, being merciful, uh, being pure in heart, and being peacemakers. So he says, uh, uh, if you think about it, uh, being poor in spirit, right, would be almost like the, 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 a requirement, right, uh, which I think we've kind of talked through that, but specifically to being merciful. If we're not poor in spirit, right, uh, we will not be merciful, he says. And then you move to the second one. He says, if we're not mourning for our sin, right, we, we, it won't lead us to being pure in, in heart. And then uh, the last one, of course, is 
um, if, uh, if, we're, if we're not meek, we don't have a true estimation of ourselves, right? We're not going to go out there and, and, and seek to be, uh, to be peacemakers. And, he, and, and then what he does is, is he points, he takes all of that, that framework, the one, two, three, the middle, the center, hunger, thirst, righteousness, the one, two, three, and then he kind of points all of that. All of that ends up leading to uh, the willingness for a Christian to uh, uh, undergo uh, persecution for the sake of Christ. So that's kind of the framework that he, he builds in. That being said, that's a big, big uh, uh, kind of intro. Uh, who wants to, uh, to begin the discussion? Well, I'll, I'll start. I think um, I was, I think I mentioned this last recording. I, I, I can understand where he's coming from, and I, I, I get it, and I, I think there's a lot of good meat there. I look at it very similarly, I suppose. Uh, I look at it for, from a like a, 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 a sanctification process. Um, if we're starting in 3 and working through 10 or 11, then I see this is the sanctification process of a believer, and so maybe that's similar... I don't know if that's similar to what he's saying or not, but, uh, you know, because w- if we're looking at verse 3 in particular, poor in spirit, that's, I would consider that your salvation moment, and then you are, I guess, understanding yourself by mourning and meek, like, man, look at me, and then you want something deeper than yourself, so you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and these are the things that come out then, merciful, peace, pure in heart, and peacemaker, so... Yeah, I think it's a cool perspective. I think it's. I think. Um, I think it gives you a highlight to the fact that there is a collectiveness to this, and yet an independence, so to speak. So, uh, I don't know if I'm adding anything there. I'm thinking. I'm more of just thinking aloud because it's a. It's pretty neat. Um, Martin Lloyd Jones, smart guy, he studied it. He's got. A, he's got. Um, you know, he's one of the voices that people turn to for the Beatitudes. So, I think. I think uh, he is. Definitely um, onto something there. The part that's kind of interesting to me, I'll throw it back kind of as a question or maybe a comment for either one of y'all to think through and talk, ask or answer, I should say, is is he saying that when you use the word bend, is he saying that this is kind of the hinge point for the first three and the bo- and the and the the last three? Is it kind of like is it kind of like okay, this is the glue that's holding all these together? Yes. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Ben, what's your thoughts? Because I'm, well, I'm speaking a lot. I tell you what, before you answer that, um, so there, there, this let, let, let's 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 come back real quick to the righteousness before we kind of continue thinking through what, some of those things. Just this beatitude. Yeah, yeah. Just the blessed uh, are those who uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? For they shall be satisfied. This righteousness, in particular, that 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 Jesus is talking about, uh, I've seen it uh, in in some of the commentaries as kind of described as as multiple different types, you know, three different types of righteousness uh, that we're we're talking about in in particular. You have a um, you have a legal righteousness, a moral righteousness, and then a social righteousness. Is one of the ways that I, I've seen that. Uh, another way that I got James Boyce here, uh, he mentions there's there's at least three ways uh, that we we hunger and thirst for righteousness. First, we must desire righteousness. Right? It's a desire that we have. Uh, second, we must desire a perfect or divine righteousness. And then third, he says we must desire this intensely. There's a lot of different ways to kind of think through this. What, what are your thoughts with the righteousness in particular? Kind of, kind of hone in on that. I, I think, I think in terms of, of the righteousness in particular, I think, <clears throat> I think having different spokes to understand uh, righteousness is a good thing. I think separating it out is a bad idea. Because I don't think the concept of biblical righteousness separates that easily. 
Uh, I think the the desire for righteousness and 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 being righteous and doing righteous. I think those are all so so inextricably wed together. Like, uh, how how do you hunger and thirst for the desire to be righteousness? Hunger and thirst is a desire. It, it, it desire is already built into the conversation. So to then separate this thing out called a desire for righteousness. It, so I now hunger and thirst for a desire for for righteousness. I think it, it seems overly redundant and interpretively redundant for that particular standpoint. So I think I think Jesus's concept here really is is much more simple than that. Because here the reality is this is that as you're moving through the beatitudes, right? And again, all cards on the table right up front, this is the gospel in my opinion. I just think it is, right? That hunger and thirst of righteousness is born out of the need, right? What I need is righteousness. I don't need part of righteousness. I don't need some of righteousness. I need all of righteousness because that's the only way I stand before God, right? And the only way to have that righteousness is to have the imputed righteousness of Christ in me, mm-hmm. right? That's it. That's the only way I, it happens. I don't need some of it. I don't need part of it. I don't need a moral. I don't need a legal. I don't need a perfect. I don't need a divine. I need all of it. Mm-hmm. Any, any, any part of that is not going to satisfy. You need all of it, mm-hmm. right? And and it's going to drive, and, and, and it's going to drive all of those things at the same time, right? I if I if I want to be righteous before God, but I don't care about being righteousness before, and I don't care about being righteous before mm-hmm. my brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ or even a watching world, yeah. I would highly doubt I have righteousness before God in the first place, mm-hmm. because any righteousness before God is going to display that character in every facet of who He is. Because how? Because that's how God displays His own righteousness. Yeah, I think. So I think it's really kind of. So I, I, where where I think it can be helpful uh, is is this again, specifically starting with like a legal righteousness from a biblical standpoint, right? We all owe a debt that we cannot pay, right? One way that we could say that due to our sin, we are forever uh, uh, separated uh, from God, right? But for what Christ. Did, for us on the cross, right, uh, by grace through faith, um, that righteousness that Christ and Christ alone can provide is then imputed uh, to us. So that's the, that's the legal uh, righteousness that we're, that we're talking about. At, at, the, at the moment of salvation, at the moment of justification, uh, that righteousness is imputed to me. At the same time, though, uh, really kind of as, as Andrew was mentioning in our previous episode, right, when we come to Christ, there's a lot of baggage that we bring along with us. We were t- having that conversation on worldview in particular. And, uh, and so our worldview is starting to shift, is starting to change, right? It has, it, it, it has to because now the imputed righteousness of Christ has been has been granted to us. We are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And yet my sinful nature, right, which is still with me, uh, is is desiring to still lean in and do some of those same things that I was doing mm-hmm. before. So now that's going to lead me to this moral desire for a moral righteousness. I want to do what is right. I want to be holy. I want to put off the old self. I want to put on what the Bible calls the new self. I want to, you know, holiness, uh, shedding those things. I want to put on a godliness that only he can provide, right, from a moral standpoint. But then additionally, not only is it just going to uh, affect me internally, right, and and, and, and and affect my life, it's also going to affect the way that I look at the world around me, right? Mm-hmm. From That's where the social righteousness kind of comes into play. And that's where I see injustice around me. And I say, wait a minute, that is not right, right? I, I desire to see that righteousness. Again, there's an understanding that none of these things are going to be completely uh, uh, corrected on this side of glory. We understand that. But it doesn't mean that we can't lean into that and desire that righteousness while we're here. But I think my question that goes well, to drive us back at yeah, the yeah, text, yeah, yeah. Is, is that what Jesus is talking about? I got you. And, and my conversation, and my point is, is, I don't think it is. Okay. I mean, I think all those things are true, but the reality is, is what we need is, is this, this, this righteousness, it, this, the sense is, is that we hunger and thirst to solve the problem that we've now understood that we have, mm-hmm. a la 
you know, circa the, the, the first three Beatitudes. Now we're here. And Jesus is like, now, now, blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who realize, mm-hmm. get it through their heads that, you know, boom, here's just definite need in your life. And in this particular context, you will be satisfied. But, but so I, do, does that, exp- does that, does that suddenly span but, out into everything? Right, right, right. And but, but, I don't know that that does. Okay. So I, I guess from a, from a, again, meaning that, 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 that moral or the just, the, the, the social type of, of righteousness that we're, we're talking about there, I think. Uh, that should I have it? Am I going to have a desire if I know, right? You mentioned kind of uh, intellectually and from a heart standpoint, I understand why uh, uh, that, that, that there's the necessity for that uh, uh, imputation of righteousness. I understand why I need that, right? And we go through the first few Beatitudes to kind of understand that. Uh, and now I understand how I can be reconciled to God. I also understand that there's other individuals out there thinking that, oh, if only society looked like this, if only the laws said that, well, then I'm going to be whole. If the only reason I'm not happy, right, or blessed is because I don't have those things, can we not, as Christians, as people in exile, go and try to help these individuals understand that they too, right, are in need of something that is that this world can't provide? Sure, but that's why we have the next three beatitudes. Okay. I would, and and again, this is a textual. So maybe issue. that goes back to this is the turn. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. I think that's and that's again, that's fine. But that's why we have the next three beatitudes. Pouring that into this beatitude, mm-hmm. I think, is deeply problematic. Okay, all right. Well, I got I got to be honest. I'm I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not there in the conversation. I'm not seeing like when I heard what Chris said, and this isn't to to disagree with Ben or disagree with the comment. I just heard as, as an explanation of what the righteousness is Mm -hmm. like, it's trying to put some kind of definition of like There is a thing happening between us and God, Mm -hmm. a thing happening in our own self and a thing happening to culture. Mm -hmm. So if that's what it is, cool. If not, then I just mistaken. I will take us to, I will take us to, uh, Matthew five twenty, mm-hmm. where it says, "I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the right. Pharisees, I, I, I'm starting to more and more believe that this is the actual thesis statement of the entire uh, Sermon on the Mount, because it is a specifically, if we're looking at hey, the culture, the audience that Jesus is speaking to, that these were the religious leaders of mm-hmm. the day, you know. So, using that, then I go back to this right here, and and I I see this as now." the direct pointing into himself like hey if you're going to have a righteousness that exceeds there's going to be a hunger and thirst and that hunger and thirst is actually for me meaning mm-hmm. jesus so mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm 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 adding something new if that's bad i apologize but the you know back to yours again i, I just okay this is an explanation which Cool. No, I, I, I love the idea of, of taking Jesus's words and saying, here's what he started with. And then he expanded upon it down the road uh, in his in this same sermon. Again, I think that makes a lot of sense. This is not the only place he mentions righteousness. Where else does he mention that? Yeah. All right, let's use that as the definition here or the description of what he means uh, in the earlier text. Seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, hermeneutic- hermeneutically, does that, does that sound uh, yeah. right? Maybe. Maybe. I, I just, it's, it's like... To take the other side of it, right? The law. What am I talking about? Ready, go. The Old Testament law? Sure. Or? Ten Commandments. Or? uh, The, all the the commandments ever been given? The moral law, the the ethical law, the divine law. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. Mm -hmm. Like, and we can, and we can take all that out. But when, when we say the law and the prophets, we have a very specific target in play, Mm -hmm. right? We specifically mean, or 
Jesus specifically meant rather the first five books of the law. He Mm. meant the Torah. That Mm. was the intent. That's the whole purpose of that statement. So when we, we take that same mentality, right. And, and I think it, it makes sense to do it, to think through it the same way. What specifically, specifically is he attacking in this particular statement? Right. Mm -hmm. And this particular statement if we see it as the turn, if we understand it as the outflow of the first three, this is primarily aimed at our pers- our specific relationship before God. So right? let me let me let me see if I I, I think I understand w- what you're saying and why you're making the distinction that you're making. Um, so here we're talking about my relationship personally with Jesus Christ, right, and my desire to be like Him and to follow all of His commandments, mm-hmm. right. Uh, uh, and I'm going to lean in that. I'm going to seek that. I'm going to desire. I'm going to hunger and thirst for that righteousness mm-hmm. that only he can provide. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, there's going to be a whole lot of change that occurs in my life internally and externally. Absolutely. Uh, but we don't necessarily need to be leaning into that or desiring those things right now. That's going to be the natural outpouring or outflow mm-hmm. overflow of a life in which is completely focused on Jesus Christ. Correct. And that's why we have the next three Beatitudes because it begins to shape what those other functions of righteousness are when this is correct when, when this, this is, is right correct. okay right. so i'm going to add in the, the 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 butt here oh always with the butt andrew all right, all right. so yeah actually <laughs> andrew so yes but I, I here's the thing that that we're i think if we go that direction great because i i agree with what's being said there because I look at the first three as you pulled the old man away. Mm-hmm. You have a blank slate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And now what? Man, I, I, I want something. Okay. Dead on. Dead on. But the thing that you don't realize as a, as a believer at this point, and we still don't even realize wherever we are in this journey, is that we come at it with this one angle of, hey, I want this righteousness. Okay. We're coming at it with a very limited perspective we think it's just this or we think it's just that like it's a personal thing right but what does god always do it's so much bigger than we could even dream and fathom and imagine because he is a god he's above our thoughts he's Mm -hmm. above our ways right so yes we're coming at it from a maybe a very personal perspective but god is imputing according to paul his righteousness to us so we come at it with oh i want i'm hungering and thirsting for god and, and I, I believe that is limited, finite, because we are limited and we are not infinite. Uh, but we are now in this position of God is going to be giving a whole lot more to us than we could even imagine. So going back to the, the, the thing that we kind of started with, there were three things right there, I think he said, right, Ben? Like the- uh there, there's a there's a, a divine righteousness, then there's a moral More, righteousness, yeah. and then there's a, a social righteousness. So we start out with this individual, kind of like Ben just said, they're like, oh, this hunger, thirst for God, great. But then God imputes all those other things. Would you agree with that? Yeah, ben? no, I would agree with it. And that's why I think the and that's why I even think Jesus set, set up sets up this beatitude the way that he does, right? Blessed are those who hunger hunger and thirst for righteousness. Wait, Mm -hmm. hunger and thirst for righteousness. This righteousness is this thing that you understand with your concept, your understanding. You have you have come to this point in this process, and you're hunger and thirsting for righteousness. And then this is where I think everything you're talking about comes from. It's not in the hunger and thirst for righteousness, because again, like you say, we have a finite concept of what that righteousness is. But then they are satisfied because what happens is, is first Christ satisfies this relationship with us, 
right? We fix this well, you, internal problem. That's a good and point. And then now it begins to bleed out everywhere else because then once we understand this, this, this vertical kind of conversation we're having with God, all of a sudden we go, oh my gosh, there is, like you said, so much more to this. Well, I think you made a good point there. And I don't even, you know, that we're, we're kind of failing to do. And I think we've, I, th- I got to be honest, I think we felt it. I, I feel like I failed to do this often with the Beatitudes is the promise that's attached mm-hmm. to each one of them. Mm-hmm. It's not just the front end of the statement. There's a promise. Yeah. And you make a good point there because this hunger and thirst will be what? Satisfied. So, satisfied. So that satisfaction isn't with God. That satisfaction is with you because God's already satisfied. So, <laughs> so exactly. you know, there is something to that. So I, I get where Ben's going with that, Chris. I think it's a cool point. I, again, I don't think that who who did you reference in that Boyce? No, well, no, he wasn't the the, the Boyce and It, it might have been Stodd. It may have been uh, oh, okay. uh, D. A. Carson. Okay, I, I I guess I I guess I can see both angles. I see the the depth, the, the bigness of that, and I also see the the, the individual pursuit of that. So if that you An- know, another another too. conversation I had in, in teaching through this uh, is you know kind of looking at this idea of hungering and thirsting and what what is that right? It's it's a it's a physical. Uh, desire that we have, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we're, we're hungry for food, right? We're thirsty for something to drink, right? I, I think of that. Speaking uh, of, it's Thanksgiving week, boys. It is. Oh, it boy. is. <laughs> we uh, I we think, timed this on purpose, didn't we, Chris? That's right. <laughs> hungry. That's right. Hungering and thirsting for Thanksgiving Day uh, uh, dinner. Uh, no, but uh, hungering and thirsting for, for righteousness. The other thing, I think uh, the, the psalm that says, you know, as the deer right, pants for pants the water, for right? Yeah. So my soul longs for, for thee. I think it, th- this, this is the idea that we're seeing here in, in the, in, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for uh, righteousness. Instead of hungering and thirsting for what the world can provide, we're, we're hungering and thirsting for uh, something completely supernatural, completely outside mm-hmm. of this world, completely transcendent, right, uh, 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 of anything that we can find. Uh, here and, and again, as you pointed to, we have this promise that says, "And you will be satisfied." Uh, I think of the uh, the woman at the well, right, the Samaritan woman uh, there, and uh, he tells her what about uh, this this fountain uh, that, that she's going to be able to hear. Well, you know, get something to drink. Well, you didn't bring a pail, right? Uh, where, where's where's that? Uh, well, no, I'm going to give you a, a fountain, right, that'll never run dry. Something along those lines. Fount of living water springing up eternally. Yes, thank you. And and so it's it, again that's the fountain that we're talking about, right? Because the the, the truth is, and, and 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 here's another thing: as as the sanctification process uh, continues in our life, right? The what should happen is this hunger and this thirst that we have for righteousness, for Christ, to be conformed into His image, should only strengthen day by day by day, right? My my desire for Him and His righteousness today should be. Sig- more significant than it was yesterday. And, and my hope and prayer is that a year from now and five years from now, and 10 years from now, that only continues to grow. Yeah. And, and regardless of how in- insatiable, if you will, our appetite for his righteousness may get, the promise is that we will be satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you make a good point there that it grows. And I think one of the things when I was a younger Christian, I'd hear something like that. That actually kind of scared me, to be honest with mm. you, because you're like, man. Like, what if mine's not growing? <laughs> you know, what if I don't feel that? You know, and one of the things I like to encourage people in hearing that is, is that okay? Yes, you may not tangibly feel all those things at the same time or whatever. But here's the reality: if you look back over the course of your life and you look at the one who began this work and you look at where you are now, the de- the hope, as Chris is saying, or the desire, or what it should be, is what greater. You yeah, know, there's more, and and to focus on that satisfaction because I think. The more we're growing in our faith, the more we should be experiencing two things at the same time. One, contentment, mm-hmm. absolute contentment mm-hmm. in Christ. Yep. 
but at also at the same time, like this longing yeah. or hungering and thirsting, yeah. as it puts here, yeah. like those those two things can simultaneously be happening for a believer, and they should be. You know, like man, I am enjoying because you may, you know one of the things that that we got to be clear on in this text is. This isn't a one-time hungering and thirsting, right. you know. No, we, yeah, yeah. we are talking about this from a sanctification standpoint, mm-hmm. but as a believer, th- there should be a a a continual hunger and thirst and a continual satisfaction that's happening at the same time. So, mm-hmm. it's like we can hold those two things, even though they may not seem like you can hold them at the same time. Yeah. An- another thing, and I wanted uh, Ben to have an opportunity to quote C.S. Lewis because I don't think he has today yet. <laughs> Um, and so I literally had right? a CS thing right? to go with. Yes, absolutely. What's the, I, I'm, that's I'm, <laughs> I'm going to still bins, but like if you have a hunger and thirst right. for a world, Something, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what is it? You got it? <laughs> we, we said it pretty good. Come on, there. man. You Come did on. actually, you did actually, if there is a desire built in for us, that is not satisfied by the world in which we live. Then we must desire for something greater. We've been hanging out a little too long. We knew <laughs> this was coming. So, I mean, but, but, but again, kind of leaning into what uh, Andrew was saying there, right? Uh, if you don't have this hunger and thirst for, for, for righteousness, if you don't have this hunger and thirst for, um, uh, uh, for God, obviously we, we would want, uh, the, the Prayer, right, is, is the only thing that's gonna gonna shape that. But let me let me let me, let me uh, go back for a moment. We have these physical uh, 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 longings and desires that we have in this earth, right? Uh, for example, um, uh, whatever it may be, a, a bigger house, a bigger car, a better job, a, a, a different wife, a different family, more kids, a different kid, on and on and on and on. I mean, honestly, right? You, again, I'm, I don't have these desires. I'm saying there's individuals out there that have these desires, right? Uh, <laughs> And what I'm saying is that if you have those things, oh man, now we we got to shut it down now. No, we have to we're shut good. It down. It's just you said a different wife, and now we're going. Come on, Chris. Chris, what were you teaching on in life group? But not going there. Not going there. Well, Stephanie, he I, loves you. I promise. I, again, uh, you know, Andrew was talking uh, about before we started recording. Uh, you know, he was he was teaching through this uh, idea of divorce that we see in the Sermon on sure. the Mount, right? And so, uh, a, a lot of times, there's individuals out there that think, uh, "Well, I would be happy if this wasn't my wife you're, and I had somebody." You're else, dead right? on, Chris. Uh, I'm just giving you a hard time. Or, or I, I, you know, yes, I'm in this house here and it's perfectly sufficient for me, but I desire to have that, right? Or I have this car here and it's perfectly sufficient to get me from point A to point B, but I desire that um yeah if if only my you know i uh, my children i i i wish they desire to do x y or z they're not if only they did that then i would be completely content only to find out that what those when, things don't get you anywhere they, they don't provide any long-lasting contentment they'll, they'll, they'll pro- provide you with a bit of uh, fleeting happiness and then before you know it that's gone and you're on to the next thing mm-hmm. whatever that is and the only uh, the only uh, uh satisfaction that we can ever find is in him Right, I think that's one of the things we said there, man. What really got derailed there? That's all right, Chris. That's good because <laughs> the reality is this: if you go back to the C.S. Lewis yes. quote and you hit what you just said there, if all our desires in that camp that Chris said right there, then that means we are just bound for what? Earth. That's yeah. it. That's all. That's it. That's that's the highest end. But if we are seeing something, as C.S. Lewis puts, or as verse six puts. A, something that is otherworldly, and I would say righteousness is otherworldly yeah. given the society that we live in, right? And gives, given the society that came and more than likely the society that will be in the future, that shows what? God's at work in someone's life, and that's the mm-hmm. beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. and uh, that that hunger is for a believer. It's not just a one-time thing. We stated that. That is a ongoing process, and that contentment is not just a one-time thing. That is an ongoing process as well. So... Maybe we cap it there. Well, we have no. twi- we have twenty minutes. If well, we're, I'm just if we're saying, okay. cap this one. Yes, Are we yes. Go to the next one. 
I would like to. We have. I, I'd like to get through Merciful. I'd like to get yeah, through Pure it. in Heart. I'd love to get through Peacemakers. I doubt it's going to happen. Maybe we get to one. Maybe we get to two. But uh, moving forward, the next one after uh, after this turn, so to speak, right? There's a, l- a hungry and thirsting for right. Every time you say turn, I think golf right now. Yeah, yeah. Do you? I don't know why. <laughs> We're at the turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and th- yeah, th- I got you. So anyway, um, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Who wants to tackle that? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, let me ask you all a question. Do you think, um, I, I think I know Chris's answer a little bit, but are you interpreting verse, this will be for all those that don't have a Bible in front of them, Matthew 5, 7. Are we interpreting this similar, similarly? For the judging? Yeah. Yeah, I as, think so. In like Matthew 7, 1, 2. I think, I think that's helpful. Yeah. So can I read those real quick? Sure, yeah. So Matthew 7, 1, 2 says, judge not that you... Be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, you know, when we see this concept here in seven that says, you know, those that are merciful, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. My brain goes to seven Mm -hmm. because it sets up a standard of like, look, there is this divine principle at play that what is being given by us is also what we will be measured by, you know, and you, you I'll give one more example, the, the rich ruler who was owed a debt, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and the guy couldn't pay it and he forgave him yet. The guy who was forgiven of the debt did not forgive the other mm-hmm. gentleman that owed him a much smaller yeah. debt. And then the rich ruler revoked his, you know, forgiveness. So I guess, if we're looking at this from a sanctification standpoint, what we should be seeing is this specifically for the first three. And we have getting to this proper estimation of self. And then we can start to see the amazing grace that God has. And that only thing that you and I desire, or excuse me, only thing that you and I deserve is God's judgment and wrath. Yet he has bestowed upon us a, con- uh, a satisfaction of his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Then we better be merciful. Mm-hmm. Well, we, you know, we that better be there because why, man? That's all we've been given is mercy. You know, I think there's that's a good play to it too. But I think that the, and again, this has to do with how I read the mm-hmm. beatitudes. So, so hold on to that. As I, again, all cards on the table there. This I think is the outflowing of the divine character, right? Because if we have this hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that righteousness is satisfied, uh, not only better it be, but it, it ought to be in the sense of. Now my nature is inherently changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know? need vindication. I, I don't need revenge. I, I don't. I have all I the can, satisfaction I, I need. I can be merciful yeah. because of what's been shown yeah. to me. Right. Yeah. This is this is now who I am. This is putting on putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Mm-hmm. This is this is what the new man looks like. One of the things the new man looks like is merciful because he's been shown this a, 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 this this lavish, this unmeasurable un- level of mercy uh, from from a divine God who loved and cared for him. I think this is the natural outflow of the person's life. While I agree with Ben, I also let's play that out in the real world. You know, I know a lot of believers including mine, myself, that have, I got to be honest with you, I've not been merciful all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not been the outflow of my heart. There are times when, you know, I think about, I won't put other people on the spot, I'll put myself on the spot. I, specifically raising children, that I have punished my children for things that, you know what, if I really deduce that, I do the same thing, but just in a grown-up version. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm just, I'm not a fan of is crying and throwing fits and all that. I just can't stand it. And so, like, my kids know that and they hear it. 
But then if I think about myself, yeah, I may not cry and throw a fit that way, but I'll cry and throw a fit a different way, you know? And so I guess what I'm saying is I'm in agreement with Ben, by all means. This is the outflow because it's an imputed righteousness. There's nothing we can do about that. That's God's gift Mm -hmm. to us. Amen. But the real world tells me also what? There's a lot of believers, including myself, that even though I've been given this, I still revert to my old sinful self. And I think that goes back to, I mean, the passage that we lean into all the time for this kind of stuff is Romans 7, 14 and following, right? Where Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, like a moron, I still do. Uh, you know, it's 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 that there's that contingent to it too. There is the reality of it, but I think if we're trying to understand the, the beatitudes and the concepts, I agree which with they you are, there. If we're trying to understand the concept, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's I think that's where it goes to. But I think the real world application is absolutely true. Uh, we have the same conversation in my house, by the way, Andrew. Uh, in fact, my my oldest daughter has learned the mantra: "What does whining get you? Whining gets you nothing." Right. I mean, so that's that's the frustration. I mean, that's that's kind of how the, that conversation goes in my house sometimes. But you're right. There's sometimes that I'm just a big whiner as everybody else in my house. Uh, you know, so it's just like that. So there is that sense of it. But I think that when we when we think through on our best days, when we're leaning heavily into living by the spirit as opposed to living by the flesh, I think that this is where that reality is. This is what we will see. Yeah. Chris. Um, yeah, well, just just kind of pointing back to what we where we started this with uh, with Lloyd Jones and you know what what he says here is uh, so we find that the man who realizes he is poor in spirit and who is utterly dependent upon God is the man who is merciful to others. Just kind of correlating back to the poor in spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then um, uh, so he uses verse three as a mirror to verse right, seven, right, 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 and same thing four and eight, the, and then yeah, and yeah. then five and nine. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it can be helpful right, from, a, from a study tool standpoint. Um, it, it can help us. Um, all right, so blessed are the merciful. That's that's the other thing I wanted to, to mention real quick. Sometimes you you can take individuals, especially if you're coming from a a works righteousness standpoint, right? I'm going to work harder in order to earn my salvation. You can read this text in correlation with seven one and two uh, that Andrew read a, a moment ago, and you can say, see. The Bible does teach that that you have to do this in order to earn that. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So I need to be merciful first, and then I'll receive mercy. Judge not, lest you be judged. Therefore, if I don't judge others, then I won't uh, be judged. And that's clearly not what the Scripture is saying here, right? No. So uh, how are we to properly, I think you've already kind of defined it. I think this is why the outflow conversation is so convincing to me, because if, 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 showing mercy if being merciful is an outflow of an imputed righteousness in me yeah. then i continue to receive mercy mm-hmm. not again not because i hit a hammer on the head yeah. ticked off a checkbox yeah. whatever it's because god has already shown me mercy he's going to continue to show me mercy mm-hmm. right it goes back to that conversation about being continually content and satisfied in what christ has given and in christ giving to us because i have been shown mercy I will be merciful, and in the content, I will continue to receive mercy. Yeah. Right? If I continue to put on, if I continue to be that person that flows out of this divine righteousness that God has continued crafting, then that mercy is going to continue. That is that is the sense in which there is the balance to it. So that's, yeah. I mean, Ben did a great job there, and so I'm I'm just going to have one quick thing so we mm-hmm. can move forward mm-hmm. to maybe help someone play this out instead of it being that workspace as you were saying yeah. or this doing and thus receiving. Mm-hmm. I think you go back to, you, you referenced it, I believe in our previous episode uh, that we recorded where it's Romans chapter 12, where what? We renew ourselves in who? Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not renewing ourselves in our works. Yeah. So the mercy, 
if we're trying to be more merciful, that may sound like a doing statement. Fine. Let it be a doing statement. But the doing comes from where? Not changing yourself more, but going more to Christ mm-hmm. because yeah, he's the one that yeah. will change you. And so it goes back to that outflowing type of, mm-hmm. you know, go to the source. Don't yeah. go to yourself, you know. Yeah. And, and the other the other real world practicality I think you could put to this is. And this is what I do for myself is I just continually remind my, like, what has God done for me? Mm-hmm. And if he can show this to me, why can't I show this in a small measure to other people? Mm-hmm. You know, like I know myself. I know I know me. I know the, you know, I know the depth of like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like these are, man, these are challenging things that I deal with. Yeah. And yet God has called me, yet God has sealed me, yet God has never left me, yet God has given me grace, yet God has given me gifts to do mm-hmm. things with. Okay, if he can do that with me, then yeah. come on, you know? And that that's just how I remind myself. Yeah, no, and, and I remember there was a uh, a lady, Elise Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you, either of you are familiar with her. Uh, but she, I, I believe she wrote a book on, on gospel parenting. I know Tripp did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think she has something all, all, along these lines. At least she talks about it, at the very least. Uh, this idea of, of parenting with the gospel in mind, right? So instead of instead of instead Are you of talking about give them grace, yeah, yeah, by yeah, yeah, that's yeah, probably right. it. That's probably it. And so it's this idea of, instead of you know uh, parenting in such a way that says you know if you do this as my child, if you do this right, then I'm gonna then I'll punish you right this way. If you don't do this or, or you do what I say, then 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 you'll receive rewards right. So it, even in the way that we parent. Our children, uh, if we're not careful, uh, we can we can we can be kind of anti-gospel or, or 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 not show them the gospel. As opposed to if we're very intentional in the way that we're parenting our children, we can we can show them that grace. We can show them uh, the mercy as as this particular beatitude uh, you know talks about. And I think that is helpful when your children see that, even in the way that they are disciplined. Right? Uh, listen, I love you unconditionally. Right? The only reason there's there's punishment here is so that right you can uh, you can learn, so you can grow. Right, those kind of things. So anyway, I think I think even that can be helpful, and I didn't really articulate that all that well. No, you did uh, a good but, job. That's good. That's good. Um, the, the the last one here, and we only got about uh, nine ten minutes. Uh, but uh, the last one we'll get to now, anyway, uh, will be blessed are uh, the pure in heart. And again, kind of mirroring again, uh, verse five. Uh, it says this: they uh, were mourning, uh, not only because they did things that were wrong, but this is the part I love, but still more because they ever wanted to do wrong. I love that with this idea of being pure in spirit, right? So it's not Can you just, repeat that? Yeah, I'm absolutely. Sorry. So uh, we go back to the, the second uh, beatitude, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall uh, uh, be comforted. And he says that when you're, when you're mourning over that sin, right, you're not only mourning over the fact that, uh, that I sin, uh, the outward manifestation of that sinful nature that is inside, right? I'm mourning over the fact that I desired to sin. And actually, where I pointed to here when I, when I was going through reading through this is Augustine, right? The confessions, right? Think about the pear tree, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he and his, a bunch of his buddies, they, they, there's this, there's this uh, field tree, you know, pear tree that his neighbor has or whatever. And I believe he's even willing to give them pears for free but they don't want to ask they don't they, they want to simply go and take they don't even like the pears he says that the pears aren't they don't taste very good they don't look pretty uh but they just wanted to steal them for the sake of stealing them right they had something inside of him right that desired to take something that wasn't his uh and they didn't even eat it they didn't use it for any any good nutritional value nothing like that but the thing as he's going back thinking through his life uh, he looks at the fact that not just because he stole those pears was he so evil 
he looked at himself as so evil and depraved because he, he had a desire. He wanted to, he wanted to steal uh, those mm-hmm. pairs, take those pairs from somebody, uh, um, you know, that, that was from someone else that wasn't his. And so I, I really like that a lot in here. We're not just mourning over our sin because we did something wrong. Well, we, we, that mourning may simply be because there's consequences that I now have to pay because I did something wrong, right? I'm now paying the consequences of that, right? When I'm a child and I get a spanking, right? I'm crying because of the spanking, not necessarily because I did something wrong. It, this gospel mourning that we're talking about, which leads to this being pure in heart, is one in which we look much, much deeper than that at the, at the, at the, at the deepest level uh, possible. And we realize that we have a desire to do these things. And, and, and I would even say that, that, that we have inside of us uh, the, the, the propensity for really any sin. Right. Uh, because of our sinful nature. Right. And but by the grace of God. Right. That we, we are where we are. Um, anyhow, what 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 uh, what are some of your thoughts on, on the, this blessed are the pure in heart uh, for they shall see God again? What a promise that is. Well, I'll, I will start with the promise on this one, because mm-hmm. we again, we're focusing so much on the front end. Yeah. Great. We should. It's awesome. But let's think of the promise for a moment. So if you look through the Old Testament in particular, there is a common theme about anybody that were coming into the presence of God that they thought they were dead, mm-hmm. you know, and rightfully so, because why you look at Isaiah in particular, yeah. righteousness cannot, it, it will consume the darkness. Right. Yeah. And uh, so you got like the Isaiah example. It's like, woe is me. Mm-hmm. And then you got an example. I think it's with uh, when Samson is called, it's not actually, I don't think it's a Christophany. I think it's just an angel an angel and the guy's like, Oh, we're going to die now. And mm-hmm. the wife's like, no, 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 yeah. we're not. God's got a promise here. Okay. So I want to use that for just a second. So if we come at this from, Oh my goodness, the, the awesomeness of God will devour us. This promise is saying what you are now going to be in a, in a position. I'm going to use a CS Lewis reference here. You now have the weight of glory. You can, you can, you can, withhold it so then look at the old testament look at moses you know when moses got to see you know high behind the rock and the presence of god and he could see the back you know what what's fascinating about moses is after that time he was veiled Mm -hmm. he had to veil himself for the well-being of other people right Mm -hmm. and and so i look at this promise and i think you know i I don't think I'll, i'll just speak for myself i don't think we understand i don't think i understand the the true bigness, I don't know, about, mm-hmm, there's a better mm-hmm, word. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think the magnitude of what this is saying, mm-hmm. like God is transforming me in mm-hmm. such a way that I will not only be able to, I will be able to stand in the presence mm-hmm. of God without being devoured, yeah. without being consumed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, that hits me very mm-hmm. strong because I look at the Old Testament and I see, you know, that's just not a reality because of sin. So. And, and it's also this promise, again, to see God not only eternally, right, or down the road, right, but this idea of, 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 of at least a, a dim, right, see, dimly, right? Through a mirror darkly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we're able to see him even even now. And I think and I think the thing is about this, and this is goes back again, flowing one one beatitude flowing into another, right? We are sh- how are, how do we get pure in heart? Mm-hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, wait a minute, how do we get here? Mm-hmm. Right? This is not again. This goes back to this idea. This is not about consistency and hammering us. This isn't about a legalism. This isn't about a works theology. We come to the idea of being pure in heart purely through God's mercy, mm-hmm. right? And blessed are the merciful, right? We understand this. This is transforming us. This is righteousness. Shows us 
to be merciful. We are merciful out of that righteousness. God continues to show us mercy. And in that, we become pure in heart and have the ability to see God. Like yeah. we, That's how God brings us into his presence, by imputing his righteousness into us and making us pure in heart. Again, there is, there's definitely some real-world challenges for that for that because the reality is is that I don't feel pure in heart every day mm-hmm. you know and that's that's that is also a reality of this but again I think this is one of those already not yet realities of sanctification right yeah. that we are justified in Christ and that we will we are whole we we as we make as we go through the process of sanctification we are actually not making ourselves more holy we can be no more holy than god has made us already mm-hmm. and because our works cannot stack on top of god's like that yeah you make a really good point there because one of the things i like to do when i teach people like in in in, in classes or sermons or whatever is I'll, I'll walk them through the uh the man on the cross beside jesus i'm like mm-hmm. okay I, was he that day he was going to be in the presence of God. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You may live 70 years, right? And you may have 70 years of sanctification, mm-hmm. but the holiness that that guy experienced that day is not because of his sanctification or his doing, if you will. Right. It's, it's done because of what? The mercy of God. Mm-hmm. It's an imputed. Mm-hmm. So dead on. Great point, Ben. Awesome. A Cou- couple of other things uh, before we wrap this up. So uh, when we think about the heart, right? Uh, we think about uh, the heart in particular. We see what, what the Bible tells us about the heart. You know, we, we pointed to Jeremiah 79. Heart is deceitful above all things. We think about uh, even in Matthew, later on in, in the, uh, the gospel, uh, Matthew's gospel, we see uh, that the, the out of the mouth, right, the heart speaks, right? We also see out of the heart, right, all these evil things come, right? I think the uh, we see that later in uh, Matthew as well. So that's, that's the heart that we're talking about, that Jesus here in the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, is saying, right, as we follow along this progression of the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the pure in heart. Right. Mm-hmm. To, again, to purify a heart that is so deceitful and wicked and all these things, right, is is really an unbelievable, uh, uh, unbelievable thing. Uh, Clarence Jordan, which is which is uh, the commentator that, that Ben turned me on to uh, for this particular uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, one of the things he says about this beatitude in particular uh, is that uh, you have this idea of pure purity. Right. Uh, it's idea of being single minded. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't have I don't have a God inside internally and then a God outside, meaning, uh, you know, inside I'm actually seeking after whatever I want to seek after on the outside. The public facade that I'm putting on is, is one in which I'm, I'm seeking holiness. That's the Pharisees. Right. That's the wa- whitewashed tombs. Right. That, mm-hmm. that Jesus mm-hmm. refers to. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, it's this idea of being the same inside and outside. It's this 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 in, it, integrity. Right. Is really that that word yeah. that we're looking at there. But it's the idea of being pure, being single minded uh, and in and, and so when he's talking about this, he says when we're when we're an individual that that serves two gods, maybe money and and God, right? We know we can't, uh, but you have one eye on the money and greed and on all these things. You have the other eye on uh, on God. What ends up happening? He says you end up getting cross-eyed, right? So you can't see anything very clearly, right? Uh, he says when we when we suddenly are focusing on one, when the internal and the external are the same, focused on one God, suddenly we can see uh, much more clearly. Which I I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of helpful uh, for us. Again, the promise is uh, for the uh, for those. Uh, who are pure in heart, right? You will see God. What a, what a good promise uh, that certainly is. So uh, that leads, that, that really uh, is going to, in, in this particular episode, uh, here and Ben, we'll, we'll ask you to close in word of prayer in just a moment. Uh, the uh, uh, next, uh, you know, next week, I guess we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll begin uh, right here. Or we'll pick up with the uh, with the peacemakers, and we have the persecuted, and and we'll kind of go from there and continue on. Uh, any any other last minute thoughts though before we close in a word of prayer, Ben? Good. All right, let's pray then. Amen. God, thank you so much for the time that you have 
allowed us to spend together, not only with one another, but with everybody who's hearing this uh, recorded later down the line. We're grateful for uh, the time and the goodness that you've showed us. But Father, even as we've talked about these things, about righteousness and mercy and, uh, and, and really uh, just the idea that we come before you, not of our own sake, but because you have called us into your presence and that you are doing this work in us and that you are shaping us and forming us. Father, we do pray that you, you would take these ideas, that we would take uh, our, our hunger and thirst for righteousness, the satisfaction that you give in them, uh, that we would take this, this new uh, mercy that we have been shown and, and show it to those around us, and that we would take this purity of heart that allows us to stand in your presence, and Father, we would live that out in a meaningful way in all the places that we walk, uh, whether it be at work, in our homes, uh, even just going down to the grocery store, that Father, we would see, that people would see these in us, that this transformed nature would take a new and greater uh, prevalence in our life and that we would reflect your goodness in each and every step in the way we go. And Father, again, we're just grateful for your word and how it changes us. And Lord, we just pray that you'd be with us all and pray that we would live lives that reflect uh, the nature and the character of you. In the name of prayer, Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your sitting.